for two things that are vitally important. You need to be exceptionally good at what you do and people need to enjoy working with you. If you have those two things, you're never going to be starving. You're never not going to be not, you're never going to be looking for work. If you all of a sudden you become available, people will find, oh, I got to introduce you to so-and-so. I got to introduce you to so-and-so. That's what happened to me. When I got laid off, all, someone came, the, the senior vice president of, of communications for that company said, hey, Andrew, I own my own business. I'm going to create a, a role for you because I didn't want to lay you off. I had to, my hands were forced, but I own my own company and I want to hire you for over there. You'll be a freelancer for us over there. I was like, great, because she knew I was exceptionally good at what I did. And I was good to work with. I'm, 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 a, prof I'm a professional and I'm an enjoyable to person to work with. Those two things are vitally important. Hey, everyone. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Andrew Murdoch. And uh, Andrew uh, started uh, his uh, journey as a uh, a B average uh, student in high school, not uh, not uh, popular, but or uh, smart. It was more introverted, but he made it through nonetheless. And uh, uh, didn't go to college, but rather uh, went and got certified as a firefighter in Canada. Um, then, or from there, also. Uh, or became a scuba diver instructor, found a love for travel. Um, and, and then after a coworker died, I decided to sh switch gears a bit and went and did uh, Coast Guard rescue for diving for a period of time and then shifted to a few uh, blue collar jobs, then had a period of time where I reevaluated life and what he wanted to do. Um, so got into a, a telephone sales position and did that for a period of time, worked for a tech startup, hit rock bottom um, and it, or had a or it a marriage ending and that was sleep, or sleeping on an air mattress and then uh, switched gears, became obsessed with YouTube, got to, uh, or, or fit uh, mentally, physically and uh, with the right mindset, got into consulting and uh, led to where he's at today. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Andrew. Yeah, thanks so much, Devin. That's uh, that was a mouthful. I'm impressed you were able to get through all of that. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's not your traditional um coming up i suppose for an entrepreneur <laughs> no uh, it was i don't i don't know there is a traditional so i think that after having done uh almost or coming up on 600 episodes with a lot of different entrepreneurs i think that the lesson learned is there isn't one or one path or, or one uh one uh right way to do it and so but uh, no with that uh, why don't we uh, go ahead and uh, so i gave the 45 or 30 second however long to me version of the journey but let's rewind and unpack that a bit and tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got started uh being an introvert in, uh, in high school yeah, I was an uber, uber introvert in high school, always had a really small group of friends. I was definitely not the cool kid, not the popular kid, not the smart kid, not the jock. I, I And I just kept a really small circle. Uh, I When I graduated high school, I'm, I, I still think back to this time and, and, and wonder what the hell was I thinking, but my mom convinced me to upgrade for a year. How many people do you know graduate high school and then go back? So essentially what happened was I didn't really have a lot of direction in my life at the time. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, like so many 17-year-olds. And my mom sat me down and said, listen, here in, in BC, Canada, it's law to have free education until you turn 18. And I was still 17. So she convinced me to go back to school and upgrade for an entire year. 
the high school I graduated from was really, really tiny. So we had our mandatory classes and then there were only three electives, uh, band, art, and drama. So if you didn't have a certain predisposition, you, uh, you didn't have a lot of choices. Uh, basically, a lot of people ended up in art, shall we say. So I, I upgraded, went to a different high school, upgraded for a whole year, took all kinds of classes that my small high school didn't have access to. Like I was taking AutoCAD drafting, I took graphic design, I took film and TV, I took all kinds of courses that, yeah, I just didn't have access to and uh, upgraded for a year. And that was the same year when my mom uh, figured out that there was this local firefighting recruitment program available. And, and then all of a sudden I got turned on to that and I thought, yeah, you know what? I think being a firefighter would be a lot of fun. So started going through the pro the application process and they, they denied me because I wasn't old enough. And my mom called up the fire. And once again, mom, mom to the rescue. My mom called up the fire chief and said, Hey, listen, he turns 18 during your recruitment program. Would, would you not at least let him in? Because then he becomes legal age while he's taking his training. And the fire chief agreed. He was like, oh, yeah, for sure. So took the, the program, uh, graduated as a fully certified firefighter. So at one point in time, I was probably the, the youngest firefighter in BC or the youngest firefighter in Canada. It was kind of weird because I was still I was upgrading for that year. Right. So mm -hmm. I was the only high school kid that had a pager. Yeah. Back in those days, it was pagers and for a paid on call firefighter. And the teachers just kind of got a laugh out of me because every once in a while I'd be sitting in class and then the tones would go off and I'd rush out of class and go jump in my car and go race to the fire hall to respond to some kind of emergency. And because I had already graduated high school, there was no, you know, there was, there wasn't exactly a lot of stress about missing too much school. And mm -hmm. I managed to get good grades that year anyways. So that was, that was an experience and a half. And then after, after that year was done, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And there was not a lot of fire departments hiring 18, 19 year old kids. I, I got a lot of feedback saying that we're looking for people with more life experience. So I don't know if things have changed now, but at least that's what I was told back then. And I said, okay, more life experience. What am I going to do? So I had actually become a, a scuba diver at age 14 because I grew up watching James Bond movies and I just thought scuba diving was cool. So I ended up going back to the very same dive college and, and got certified as an instructor. So by the time I was 21, I was a fully fledged firefighter slash scuba instructor. And I, I learned that there's actually a lot of crossover between those two career paths. Both people, both in both situations, you're, you're wearing exposure protection. You never, you always follow a buddy system. You never go anywhere by yourself. Uh, there's a heightened knowledge of ropes and knots. I mean, uh, you're breathing compressed air. There's just tons and tons of similarities between those two lifestyles. And mm -hmm. because I was now a fully fledged scuba instructor, I started traveling the world working as a diver and then eventually landed up on cruise ships. I worked on cruise ships, Royal Caribbean for three years, eventually turned 25, thought, uh, man, maybe I should uh, take uh, take something, take another career path that's perhaps a little bit more serious. Um, uh, looking back now, I don't know if that was a crazy thought or not, because I had a lot of fun working on cruise ships, traveling all around the, the Bahamas and, and the, uh, the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. uh, went back to Canada and thought, yeah, I want to get back into my roots and get back to firefighting. So I had to go to college to get my 1001, my NFPA 1001, and uh, found a job as an industrial firefighter up north in the oil patch for a huge health and safety company called HSC, stood for Health, Safety, and Environment. So I, I got I got paid to uh, keep people safe 
in minus 40 degree weather, it was awful <laughs> where you had to go through specialized training because otherwise uh, water would freeze. In fact, uh, in one in one terrible, terrible shift, the uh, the propane tank I was using to uh, to run my heater actually started causing me problems because I learned the hard way that liquid propane will start to uh, solidify in minus 44 degrees Celsius. So pretty obvious how I found out that the hard way. Uh, and um, I only did that for about nine months and then ended up uh, getting my butt back to Vancouver because those temperatures were just a little too crazy for me and I uh, wanted to join uh, a municipal fire department, but uh, getting a job as a firefighter in Canada is a very sought after position. So I, I knew I needed to do something in the, in the meantime and mm. ended up working for CN Rail. Uh, I worked as a, a train conductor uh, moving freight trains for four years. I, I did that for a long time, moving uh, sulfur, potash, grain, oil, uh, automobiles, like you name it, we moved it. And you know, Canada is a very uh, resource intent, resource heavy, resource rich country. And all of those resources need to be shipped to the coast to be shipped all around the world, right? And you you said this in the intro, sadly, only about a year, year and a half on the job, my my uh, co my colleague, my coworker was killed on the job. He left behind a wife and two little girls. Uh, his wife had just given birth to their second daughter and their eldest daughter has the Down syndrome. Uh, we all took that news pretty hard. Um, uh, I went through training with him. Uh, we weren't uh, super close because we were stationed at different terminals and we all kind of just congregated around the people that we knew we were going to be working with. Uh, but I remember having a couple of beers with the guy. And so when we when the news spread what had happened, it all hit us pretty hard for obvious reasons. I, I looked at the industry differently. I looked at the job differently. And I um, uh, we, we all we all took that news the uh, in our own in our own ways, but I um, I certainly um, I certainly look at that industry differently even now. And there are, unfortunately there were times where our management or uh, they're called train masters in that industry. There were times where I was told to break rules, and they never specifically say go break this rule. They'll ask you to do something, and then I'm just like I'm I'm on my on my heels going, but I can't do it that way because of rule blah 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 rule one fifteen rule whatever. And so there were three different occasions where I actually had to report supervisors, uh, one supervisor on two different uh, situations, and and then a third uh, second supervisor once. And on all three occasions when I reported them to the safety hotline, I came out on top. However, when you report your managers to the safety hotline, you end up getting a target on your ass because because uh, you got them in, in trouble, right? And unfortunately, uh, that just created a really toxic environment. And uh, like I said, I just looked at the in, in the entire industry differently because my, my colleague was killed on the job. And I was like, no, no, no. I know. I, I just knew at that time that I wasn't going to work here for the rest of my life. And I, uh, we, these supervisors need to be held to a higher standard. So I was, I was happy to put myself on the line like that. Whereas some of my other fellow train conductors, they wouldn't report the supervisors to the safety hotline for fear of retaliation. Hmm. It became a really toxic environment. So funny enough, I ended up leaving that job because I just couldn't take uh, the BS anymore. And I was, I was trying to find a, you know, a safer environment to work. And funny enough, that's when uh, the Coast Guard, uh, uh, the, the Canadian Coast Guard was looking to hire rescue divers. It was their first time looking to hire divers in uh, five years. And a lot of people were like, Andrew, I thought you were looking for a safer job. And actually, being a rescue diver for the Coast Guard is way safer than being a railway train conductor because 
when you're a train conductor, oftentimes you're working somewhere by yourself, meaning, and this is going to sound awful, I know, meaning if something were to happen to you, no one's going to know what happened until they find the body. Okay. Like that's literally how it works. Right. Or they're going to wonder why you're not answering your radio. Whereas in the Coast Guard, as a rescue diver, you're constantly being checked on by your colleagues, by your coworkers. Everyone's watching each other's backs. You're never anywhere by yourself, except for when you're underwater. However, you have a panel operator who's monitoring your progress and is in full radio contact with you every at every given second, right? So you're never truly alone. So I did that for, I think, uh, two, yeah, I did that for two years. Ended up leaving that industry simply because they adopted a brand new payroll software called Phoenix and it broke. The whole system broke. 33% of my income evaporated overnight and our management couldn't tell us when we would be able to accept payments, when we would receive our, our what we're due. Anytime we brought it up, management would just give us the old shoulder shrug. It shows up when it shows up. I learned the hard way that when you work for the government, they can break the law and no one is held accountable. No one is responsible. No one loses their job. No one, eh, this is how it works, you know? And because I was still relatively new in my career and I was living at the time in Canada's most expensive city by far, Vancouver, it uh, it became obvious to me that this career was no longer for me anymore. I wanted, I wanted a job that I could enjoy or a career path that I could enjoy, but still was able to cover the bills, right? Mm. So from there, that was my, I did, Blue collar job, blue collar job, blue collar job for years and years and years. And when I left the Coast Guard, I had an opportunity to join a financial education firm and get into telephone sales. Talk about a massive, massive pivot. Uh, and I only did that job for, for six months uh, because another better opportunity presented itself. But let me tell you, doing telephone sales, I was able to cut my teeth uh, and learn how the world works in many ways. And, and I, look, I look back on, on those times very fondly. I, I can think of some really embarrassing moments, just saying things to people over the phone, not knowing what the hell I was doing. But yeah, I, I cut my teeth on that. And, and sales is obviously a fantastic uh, skill that everyone at some point in their lives should really refine because ultimately we're all in, in sales at some point, whether you're trying to convince your, your partner what movie to see that night or what to eat for dinner, or you're actually doing it for a career choice, we're all in sales. So it's it's really it was a really valuable experience for me to learn uh, a little bit about human behavior, human psychology. And, um, and now, from there- just, uh, just like curious, said, or just on that, because I mean, that or sales and especially like telephone sales seems like it's a, a pretty good shift, makes sense, you know, looking for something different, but how did you land on that? Was it just, hey, I'm looking for something completely different than what I've done, and this was a opportunity that came along or kind of what uh, what led you in that direction? That's a really good question. So like I said, I was doing blue collar jobs for years. And for a long time, I always had this feeling that I didn't really belong because I would go to work and, you know, we're, you're always talking about, hey, what'd you do for the weekend? What'd you do last night? Like you're, you're just, you're getting to know your colleagues, right? And I, I really resonated and a big part of me still feels like a blue collar person at heart. However, um, I would go to work and I would want to talk about things like real estate investing. Um, I, hey, I, I, I flew to Edmonton last week to attend a, an, an investment conference, you know, or these are the podcasts that I'm listening to. These are the books that I'm reading. And the, the guys I worked with, they, they just, huh, you know, they, they didn't really like respond. Like they didn't like join me in those conversations. They wanted to talk about other things and there's just nothing wrong with that. So 
I always felt like in those moments, I didn't quite belong in those circles. I loved the work. I just didn't really always resonate with the people I was working with. And so um, one of those, those financial education companies that I had been a customer of, they were hiring. They were hiring for a, a telephone sales, someone to join their, their, their team. And so I applied and they had always liked me in all of our interactions over the years. So they're like, yeah, Andrew, like, right. And I found that as my first out, out of like a blue collar type role. And, uh, and I was able to step into like my first kind of white collar type uh, position, which was a really great opportunity for me because I didn't go to college or university like a, a quote normal person did. I remember back in high school uh, going my own route Take, becoming a firefighter, becoming a scuba instructor. One of my closest friends at the time who did do the normal route, he's like, geez, you just broke the, the mold, Andrew. You didn't do the normal. Like everyone, everyone else in my class went to college, went to university and found went that traditional route. And I totally broke the mold. I didn't go the normal route. I was never the kind of person to follow the crowd. I always kind of carved my own path. So yeah, then when I left the um, telephone sales position, it, I became obsessed with uh, some uh, uh, learning more about exponential technologies. Um, so I, 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 oh, sorry, I, I breezed past this one. So after I left that role, I actually became uh, an insurance agent. I sold insurance, a supplement, a special kind of supplemental insurance. And I did that for, I think, nine months to a year. And because I was always into financial education. And when I came across this particular product, I was like, wow, this is amazing. More people should know about this. Uh, there were all these times where this particular product would have paid me a benefit when I was doing these blue collar jobs. And uh, while I was working for the blue collar jobs, if I received an injury, sure, there's workers comp, but there was always limitations. And anyways, long story short, I just I saw this product that really more people needed to know more about. So I became, my, uh, for the first time, a financial professional. And when I was having a conversation with a, another financial professional over the phone, we were, we were I'll, I'll never forget this chat. We, we, I'm talking to him and he's very successful, way more successful than me. I've always had the mindset of always surround myself with people more successful than me, right? Never be the smartest person in the room, right? Success leaves clues. What did you do to achieve success? I want to do things like similar to what you did to achieve a similar level of success, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm talking to him about Amazon because back in the, this is back like 2017, right? And I say to him like, man, if 10 years ago, we had the foresight to invest in this silly little book company called Amazon. How different would our lives be right now had we aggressively invested in Amazon? So we started having a conversation about exponential technologies. What should we be investing in right now that 10 years from now will be completely changing the game? So we're talking about 3D printers. We're talking about driverless cars. We talked about blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. And he says to me, and this, this, this one conversation changed my whole life. He says to me, have you heard about this thing called Hashgraph? And I said, no, what's that? He's like, you got to watch this Mike Maloney video. I'll send you the link. So Mike Maloney, for those of you who don't know, Mike Maloney was one of Rich Dad's advisors for Robert Kiyosaki. He's the commodity expert, right? He's got great content on YouTube, by the way. So I go check out this video to learn about this thing called Hashgraph. It's a distributed ledger technology, just like blockchain is. And it can do everything blockchain can do, but it can do a whole laundry list of things that blockchain can't do. So I, I start learning about this technology and I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's another one of those things. And right in the beginning of Mike Maloney's video that as of right now, I think has like over 1.5 million views or whatever. 
I was I, at first I was like, I, I'm not interested. But as the documentary goes on and on and on, by the end of it, I was like, holy man, I need to look into this because this is absolutely going to disrupt it disrupt the financial services industry. So I had to make a decision. Either I'm going to learn about this new technology and be in a position to take advantage of it, or I could just put my blinders on, pretend I never learned about this technology, just keep being an insurance agent, right? Obvious, which it's obvious which one I chose. The more I learned about the technology, the more I realized more people need to learn about this technology. So I started uh, hosting, like for free, I, I, I joined up to be an ambassador for them, right? So I'm downtown Vancouver and I started hosting these meetups. Uh, and, uh, and pretty big deal for an introvert like me, I would be, stand at the front of the room and give these large presentations to people uh, to groups as high as 100 people at a time. And um, and when I started telling Hedera Hashgraph what I was doing, they, they were like, you did what? And I said, yeah, I, I hosted a meetup for you at the, the uh, New York Institute of Technology because NYIT, their second largest campus is downtown Vancouver. And they're like, you did what? And I said, yeah, why? Like, what's the big deal? Isn't all of your ambassadors doing this? And they're like, no, we wish all of our ambassadors were doing this. So just because I was always putting my best foot forward, they ended up like had a, a job opportunity. I applied. I kind of was semi-qualified to do the job. And they hired me because they knew I was already really passionate about their mission and their and their uh, their technology. So I became their first ever social media manager. And I did that for a couple of years. And then they ended up going through a, uh, a massive layoff. They laid off like 11 people all at once, right at the beginning of COVID, uh, right before COVID, I should say. And then um, and that uh, allowed me to uh, do some do some marketing that I was actually a lot more passionate about, YouTube marketing. So I started going a lot deeper into YouTube marketing because YouTube helped me completely change my life. Um, I kind of breezed past this as well, but in 2018, I when I right when I started working for Hidera Hashgraph. I was in a very dark time in my life. This is probably one of the main reasons why a lot of people invite me to speak on their podcasts. Mm -hmm. I was um, I was married to someone I couldn't stand, and I was found myself in a position that I never thought I would ever find myself in. I I never thought I was that guy to end a marriage, but I was in a really toxic environment, and I knew something had to change. So I ended the marriage and uh, left her. She got my bed. She got my kitchen stuff. She got everything. And I had nowhere to go, so I, a friend of a friend of mine had a spare bedroom, but there was no there was no bed. And I said, "Don't worry about it. I got an air mattress in the storage locker. I'll, let me go grab it." So I was sleeping on an air mattress, and felt like the world's biggest loser uh, because I like a strong struggling with tons of debt, tons of debt, both mine and my ex wife's that never paid me. Uh, she never paid me back. Uh, we were going through counseling and all that stuff, and she swore up down and sideways that. You know, she's obligated to pay that back. She'll pay it back. She never did. And uh, and I just knew that I always knew at the back of my mind that that was going to be the case. Right. So I it fell on my shoulders to get myself out of this mess, uh, get out of my debt and her debt. Right. So I'm sleeping on this air mattress and, or I should say I'm laying down on this air mattress, staring up the ceiling, feeling like the world's biggest loser and realized why am I still in Canada's most expensive country or most ex most expensive city? It didn't make any sense. I'm working remotely for the first time in my life or one of the first times in my life. I should be able to travel and reduce my living expenses to, to the point where I can get ahead financially. So this is, yeah, this is not an easy story, story to tell, but 
I know, I know it helps people. So I continue to tell it. And so I, I, two things really helped me turn my life around getting obsessed with YouTube, right? Absolutely helped me get my, my life in order. I was able to get my mindset, right? That's the most important thing. Get my health and fitness, right? Get my finances, right? Just because I started uh, obsessing over certain YouTube channels. And in some cases I can point to a specific video that helped me turn my entire life around. And, uh, and I, I owe a huge debt of gratitude to the YouTube platform that I will never be able to fully repay. I don't know, I don't know where I would be right now had I not become obsessed with YouTube and it scares the living shit out of me when I think about that. The other thing that helped me turn my life around was becoming a digital nomad. I started booking these one-way flights and bouncing around the world, living on, like, living on my friend's couches at first. And then uh, I started adopting this thing called house sitting because I was able to house sit for these people, for people who want to go on these lengthy uh, vacations, but they can't take their pets with them. So I was like, oh, wait a second. So I can live in someone's house rent free. Uh, I don't have to pay internet, don't have to pay power, don't have to pay utilities. And I was able to get ahead financially way faster that way. So that was an amazing lifestyle that I was able to adopt for years. I lived in Canada, the US, Mexico, Spain, uh, England, Scotland, Costa Rica, uh, predominantly house sitting for these uh, for these random people and helping them take care of their fur babies, making sure that their house is secure while I'm improving my financial situation in a massive way. And then um, and then, yeah, getting back on track here, uh, fast forwarding a little bit. Um, I was a YouTube consultant for years, helping people get ahead, helping businesses specifically. I don't work with influencers or entertainers. I work with businesses. Very quickly, it became obvious to me that there was a massive gap in the marketplace to provide done-for-you services. A lot of businesses out there, they don't have the knowledge, the expertise, or even the desire to hire an entire creative department to grow their YouTube uh, content. So it was, it, it like, you know, it was a light bulb moment for me. So a little over a year and a half ago, back in uh, January 1st, 2022, I decided to launch a done-for-you solution for businesses that so now they can just out, outsource their people processes and problems to me. They can just worry about their business and serve their clients. Uh, all they have to do is record content for us and then they just wash their hands of it. We take care of the rest. We do the thumbnails, the titles, the project management, the YouTube optimization. They're totally hands off from their YouTube program. And uh, then we build their YouTube channels on their behalf, which drives them credibility, authority, reach, influence, ultimately more leads and more sales and they, it, they love it. They just love it. So, so that's uh, that brings you all the way up to uh, uh, where we are today. You did the forty-five second version, and I probably did the twenty-five minute version, or whatever, however long it took me to say that. Hey, that worked. No, that was a, a great, uh, a fun journey to hear. Lots of uh, different uh, pivots and different directions you took, and uh, definitely was a, a fun walkthrough. So, well, now as we have reached the present day of your journey, and we're already reaching towards the end of the podcast, and we'll have to have you back on so we can have a, a further discussion on a few items and uh, maybe or pick your brain a little bit about YouTube. But at least uh, for today, um, I always like to wrap up each episode with the same two questions. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I'd like to ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what'd you learn from it? Yeah, really great question that I think uh, this specific painful moment in my life, uh, I, I'm going to cheat a little bit. It's one, but it's two. It's two. It's two things. I uh, I undervalued the service that I provided this uh, client. Uh, I agreed to do a 100% commission deal. 
And uh, I only agreed to that after I had access to his channel and realized that it was a bit of a mess and that he had done all kinds of damage to his channel over years. And I knew it wasn't going to be an easy fix. And I had already agreed to a compensation package that was absolutely unfair. And uh, but I, I had given my word. So I pushed forward. And whenever you agree to undervalue your time, you will immediately resent the person that you are working for. So don't ever do that. That was a big problem. But then having said all of this is the most embarrassing part I can share. Um, he, he ended up not paying me even what he owed me. Uh, it was a really, really um, less than honest uh, person to do business with. And uh, to this day, I've never seen a single penny from him. So that's why I'm kind of cheating here and I'm giving you two things. So number one, never undervalue the, the uh, never undervalue yourself uh, with regards to the service, the value you bring your client, your customers. But number two, make sure you're doing business with the right people. If your gut, and my gut, my gut was telling me for a long time, mm, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about this guy. Should have listened to my gut. Should have listened to my gut. Make sure you're doing business with the, the right sort the right people, you know, birds of a feather flock together, make sure you're onboarding the right clients that uh, will respect you and you'll respect them and there'll be no resentment and everyone will be treated with respect. Um, if your gut is telling you, I don't know about this person, probably listen to your gut. Now, having said all of that, I had to go through that. I had to go through that painful experience because now I'm a much better entrepreneur, right? I was recently asked to speak at an event found out that that individual was gonna be at that event. And I said I said to the event organizer, I'm like, you know what? Sorry, I, I, I can't agree to speaking at your event. I don't like, I don't like associating myself with people like him. Hmm. So I, I'm very, very careful around who I spend time with. And no, I think uh, that's, uh, that's definitely, you know, that, and that's one of the hard, when you're starting out in a business, you're, I don't know, you know, in quotes, desperate, or you're much willing to take on clients you probably otherwise shouldn't or wouldn't. Um, but, you know, you, you tend to rationalize or justify it, or you just do it out of, uh, you know, need, so to speak. And yet, uh, that's usually when the, the mistakes come or, or the lessons are learned. So I think that's a great uh, piece of advice or a good mistake to learn and a great uh, something to learn from. Second question now that I like to ask is, so now if you talk to somebody that's uh, just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Yeah, geez. Uh, oh, there's so much. Okay, what's the one piece? Um, so yeah, do twenty pieces. There's, I'm sure I, there's a lot of pieces out there, but give them the number one that you would give them. Well, it, it, like it's so it's so dependent on certain variables, isn't it? So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go a certain route, hoping that this answers your question and addresses uh, brings real value to your listener, because. I really do find a lot of people would love to start a business, become an entrepreneur, and but they can't because they got kids they got to feed, they got bills, or they or they jump in with two feet without the proper base, and then they get themselves into trouble. Financial, you like anyway. So let me back up. There, there, it's a different path for everyone. I shared my journey, very, very non-traditional, right? But like you said at the very beginning of this. You've, you're almost at uh, episode 600. Everyone has their own unique journey becoming an entrepreneur. I truly believe I'm only where I'm at right now because I started as an employee getting paid, cutting my teeth on YouTube marketing and learning the fundamentals, learning the basics, 
getting educated, but I was being paid. I was being compensated for my time. And then from there, I transitioned to become a freelancer, a contractor, right? So my rates went up and I had more of a track record and I, my confidence went up. Everyone's climbing to, uh, Cameron Harold says this better than anyone. Everyone's climbing two ladders at the same time. You're climbing your confidence ladder, which allows you to climb your, your uh, skills ladder, right? And you climb your skills ladder, which climbs your confidence ladder. If you try climbing one ladder without climbing the other ladder, things become shaky and you're going to fall and hurt yourself, right? So you got to climb both ladders at the same time. So I was an employee first, getting paid, cutting my teeth, developing skill sets, developing my understanding to know how to really bring real value. Then I graduated to be a freelancer and contractor. And again, went through a steep learning curve, learned my understand, uh, refined my understanding, my skill sets to be in, in, further ensure I can bring real value to people at the end of the day, right? And when you're in a freelancer consultant um, aspect, there are two things that are vitally important. You need to be exceptionally good at what you do and people need to enjoy working with you. If you have those two things, you're never gonna be starving. You're never not gonna be not, you're never going to be looking for work. If you all of a sudden you become available, people will find, oh, I got to introduce you to so-and-so. I got to introduce you to so-and-so. That's what happened to me. When I got laid off, all, someone came, the, the senior vice president of, of communications for that company said, hey, Andrew, I own my own business. I'm going to create a, a role for you because I didn't want to lay you off. I had to, my hands were forced, but I own my own company and I want to hire you for over there. You'll be a freelancer for us over there. I was like, great, because she knew I was exceptionally good at what I did. And I was good to work with. I'm 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 a, I'm a professional and I'm an enjoyable to, person to work with. Those two things are vitally important. Then after I graduated from that, that's when I was ready to become an entrepreneur, become a business owner, and hire a team and start developing my my skill sets. I kind of cheated answering your question, but that's that's the best answer I can give you for that. <laughs> it's all right. It was a great answer, even if you cheated a little bit. It, we'll we'll forgive that uh, that uh, error cheating. So. Awesome. Well, with that, and now as we are wrapping up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? I really like how you worded that. Yterra.com. Yterra.com is our website. Uh, if you have any desire to work with us or uh, work with us or work for us, uh, I highly encourage you to check out our uh, three-year vivid vision, uh, our vivid vision for 2025. If you like what you read there, then you probably are a good fit for us. If you don't like what you read there, fantastic. I'm sure there's another operation there out there that's a better fit for you. But yeah, and then um, DMing me uh, is probably your pro your best bet would be LinkedIn. I, I find LinkedIn has a lot less trolls and haters and uh, less professional uh, isms uh, than, than some of the other platforms out there. So LinkedIn is probably your best bet for DMing me. <laughs> awesome. Well, definitely some great ways to connect. I encourage everybody to reach out, support a great business, and if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, Andrew, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now for all of you that are listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show couple more things as listeners make sure to click share subscribe leave us a review helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success and on that note if you ever need help with uh, your patents or your trademarks or anything else along your journey just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with us to chat we're always here to help well thank you again andrew for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last <laughs>